The following podcast is presented by Ensign Services, Inc., a company engaged in the business of providing contracted for administrative and back office type support services to post-acute healthcare clients. Ensign Services provides accounting, human resources, compliance, legal, risk management, information technology, training, construction support, and other such miscellaneous services to its clients. These contracted for services are available to be utilized at the sole discretion of its clients. References within the podcast to the company and its activities, as well as the use of the terms we, us, its, our, and similar terms used during the discussion are not meant to imply that Ensign Services, Inc. or the Ensign Group, Inc. has any direct operational control, supervision, or direction of the independently operated post-acute healthcare entities. You're, you're feeling better, Ryan. I am feeling better. Good Thank to you. have you, you back. It was a, it was a, it was indeed good that we canceled because it was, it was a rough Friday for oh. me. Um, I did have a good uh, birthday weekend. Oh, birthday weekend. Was, Halloween was my birthday. Halloween. It all, oh. all adds up now, doesn't it? I know. So everybody celebrates <laughs> your birthday. They do. They dress up. They go get candy. It's a. I appreciate everybody taking the time to celebrate my birthday <laughs> like that. Very nice. Um. So on to our 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 podcast Let's for do today. It. All right, excellent. Um, you know, so I would like to discuss some concepts from the book um, Dream Teams by Shane Snow. Uh, I know yeah. that sort of we've touched on that in prior yeah, podcasts. We've sort of gotten into this before. Cognitive diversity. Yeah, we, we talked a lot about these things, and I think that's what we called the podcast. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Um, and we we did t- we talked about how when um, when we are put on teams we tend to naturally sort of slack. <laughs> yeah, it's Especially true. If we're right? put on with a talented d- a team around us. Um, I think back to really any time a teacher said, you know, I, I want you guys to get into teams. You know, you're looking for the <laughs> smartest people around so that you could really really relax. Yeah, I think I had two reactions. My first, okay, get into groups. My first reaction was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right like right. i i do i do this in training it's like, okay i want you to get in teams and i know everybody's going oh, their immediate reaction right now i have to but then the <laughs> second response is okay where's okay where do smarty i go make smarty pants, right where do you know? i go um and, and that's the both of those reactions are very true um yeah. and so but really you know teams are one of the ways that we really produce our greatest achievements yeah. Um, no one person went and got us to the moon and, and, um, yeah, my dad always would say that it's a good person can get us there and they really didn't. Um, we, we, we really want to discuss how we create teams that don't produce slack, um, but instead produce synergies. Yeah. Did, did you, uh, Connor or Ryan, did you guys watch uh, the Olympics this, uh, this last summer Olympics? Um, no. Yeah. Are you big into no, that or I no? I normally am, but I didn't this so year. So I don't, I'm not Connor a huge Olympic no. guy, yeah. but I did, I'm always interested in basketball. I think mm-hmm. back, my childhood was the original dream team. Okay. So for the first time, I remember that. they, was, they were mine too. professional, we're the same age, I was the same. uh, you know, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, mm-hmm. Larry Bird. <laughs> I mean, just this team mm-hmm. that. That they put together and we all just started laughing. Right. And they did. They, they would win games <laughs> right. by like 42 points. I remember that. But this last summer, and again, our, our the the U.S. Olympic team won the gold. So I'm, I'm not complaining at all. But in in preliminary games, they lost to teams. I think, I think they lost to Nigeria mm-hmm. and won to Australia. Mm-hmm. Teams that clearly didn't have the same amount of talent. Right. But they were better teams. Mm-hmm. And it's this concept that, that that's sort of the question. That that teams will beat individual all stars, right? right? Good teams, and right. so it's it's not how do we individually get better. In fact, this is going to be somewhat of a focus of our next annual meeting. This idea that you know we've been working on developing the self. Mm-hmm. Now it's about developing teams, and how do we create team dynamics 
that will produce dream teams, synergies. So, you know, so, so why is it so hard to compile dynamic teams that really produce? Um, yeah. Sports general managers are paid millions and millions of dollars, so obviously there's 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 some talent associated with it and skill associated with it. Why why do you think some people succeed and others? Fail? Yeah, I mean it's one of the reasons why you know people often hate the Yankees or the mm-hmm. Lakers or because they're people that try to buy championships. <laughs> right, right? right, I'm going to get right. as many people together, and then you have teams that that know how to put pieces in place. And mm-hmm. and I think part of the answer is sometimes we think that a bunch of all stars will make a great team, right? But not everyone should be a great quarterback, mm-hmm. right? Not mm-hmm. not everyone needs to be the point guard. We we need pieces and we need we need diversity. And yet it's that diversity that kind of scares us, mm-hmm. right? So so the book Dream Team says, and this is a quote, we are built for collaboration. Our brains are equipped for empathy. And then and then he a little bit later says, our brains are wired to collaborate, but also, there's the other side of the coin. To be suspicious of other tribes, okay, okay. right? To right. bury those that right. don't think or look like us, <laughs> right. and and statistics show that working together is bound to be frustrating, even mm-hmm. if we start off really liking each other. Mm-hmm. Like if you spend enough time in the room with someone, mm-hmm. right? By the yeah, end of this podcast, right. well, you tend to hate. Oh, me. Uh, every podcast, right. I, we start off great, start and then great. what a nice guy! <laughs> now I'm I going really to enjoy kill him. these. <laughs> yeah, so it's sort of a, a natural competing battle that our brains go through mm-hmm. when we enter groups, and maybe that's why we kind of go, "Oh." When someone says get in a group or get <laughs> that, into a team. That makes sense. And 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 so I know that when we push um so much for diversity, really mainly cognitive diversity, um, people um that they think differently from one another really is what we're yeah. looking for. Um yeah. and as you just pointed out, this really makes being part of a team difficult too, right? Yeah. You know, it's just it's such a fine line here. We the the phrase, we've all said this, we've done it, we we sometimes don't hire or we fire for not being a cultural fit, mm-hmm. right? Right, I, right. And that's that's fine. I mean, I, 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 by the right definition, I, I agree with that. But that doesn't mean a cultural fit doesn't mean they need to think like you. It means the core values need to be important to them too. But, but core values can be very important to people who think very differently. Mm-hmm. They're really. Uh, there's a super long book that I that I read, and it was <laughs> that is not uh, a glowing so, intro. So long. No, it was it was a hard book to get through. But it, it, when Abraham Lincoln uh, team of rivals, when when Abraham Lincoln formed his cabinet and team, he mm-hmm. he did it with a bunch of people that I just couldn't even imagine today that he thought were good people with similar core values. But man, they disagreed with him on how to get there. They ran against him. They these were his opponents. And he saw that as an important part of his strategy to achieve really what was such a painful and difficult change. Oh, that's in very, this yeah, that's very cool. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah. He ran against them. They fought against them. They, they thought he was, they're like, why are you asking me to do it? I, I right. disagree um, with you. And he's saying, that's why I want you on my team. Very unusual, especially in a political environment. I'm yeah. Sure. That's, you wouldn't wow, see, you awesome. know, we tend to surround ourselves by yes people <laughs> today exactly. right and people exactly. that and so we think that we're always right because we surround ourselves by people exactly. that tell us that we're no right. cognitive diversity yeah so so the book says that that breaking new ground by nature requires different angles different ideas different ways of doing it different backgrounds different sensitivities different mm-hmm. layers different slices so that that's mm-hmm. a quote from the book and and how studies consistently show that a 
a big group of really smart people who think alike are far less likely to achieve achieve great breakthroughs than a group of people who think differently from each other but maybe aren't as hmm. smart. Yeah, that makes sense. Right? They 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 have more views, they have more angles. It helps them triangulate better. I think they gave hmm. an example in the book somewhere of if you're if you're trying to look to a certain point on a mountain peak, if you're in different places on the mountain, hmm. You can get better directions because you're able to triangulate. Hmm. You you mm -hmm. have more that angles to yeah. look at, yeah. right? Uh, and I think in the last podcast, I even used the quote of uh, how when when two people agree, one of them is unnecessary, right? The, right. the value I, is, is no, I, in I, the I, disagreement. So there's a really interesting story the book tells, again from history, and again Abraham Lincoln, but but a different book. Um, in Baltimore years ago, there was a plot to assassinate Lincoln. You know, I'm, but long before he was actually assassinated. Okay. And history has taught us that this was stopped by Alan Pinkerton. And, and some people Pinkertons. say this is, yeah. And some people say this is the kind of Pinkerton is sort of the precursor to the Secret Service. Others claim that that happened back under Washington when, when they were trying to uh, assassinate him. Anyway, I don't have to get into that. That's a different, thing. <laughs> That's a different but, podcast. But, uh, yeah, we'll get into it. It's, it's interesting. That's another book I read called The First Conspiracy on... Uh, uh, anyway, don't worry about it. So, but, but they say that a key part of thwarting this attempted assassination is credited to a woman named Kate Warner, okay. the first female detective that we even know about in, in the United States, which is kind of interesting. Cool. Cool. She was instrumental in stopping the plot because she was able to do things that no men could do. Hmm. She was a, the men were always trying a certain tactic mm -hmm. and she right. was able to right. go through a different tactics to get information that, that no man ever would have been able to, to gain. And if that had happened, Linkley is Lincoln. <laughs> Linkley's. It's okay, we're keeping is. it. We're keeping that. I'm th maybe I'm thinking Hinckley. Like, no, it was assassin? Pinkerton and yeah. Lincoln, and it was Lincoln. So, so Lincoln's probably going to be assassinated before all these amazing things that he did. Mm -hmm. Okay, yet despite that, yet mm -hmm. despite that credit, this was interesting. The FBI didn't hire a single female agent until 1972. Wow, that is a huge because gap I thought, in no time. Way they right? Can do yeah. that, right? Wow. And then slowly they start to realize. That wow, different perspectives really help us solve cases <laughs> yeah. a lot better. And and so it started happening more and more, and that cognitive diversity created more breakthroughs. And so again, it's it's just another example of the value of of different opinions, you know, diverse opinions, seeing things differently. Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. And and it and it, it, it makes sense sort of with the philosophy I've always had, which has really felt like just hire the best person. It's something we, we do right. talk about, and, and right? And that's which where is... people are hesitant towards pushes for diversity because right. they say it shouldn't matter. Right. Just hire the best person. And I, I agree with that. Hire the best person, but include as one of their characteristics that will add value mm -hmm. diversity. Right. 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 That's what we need right. to consider. Right. And so that's um, that's that's sort of back to your NBA All Star example. So it's not yeah. really just about having a, a bunch of All Stars, aka the the best person, but but it's about having the right best people yeah, you <laughs> in need the right role seats. players. Yeah. And you need yeah. look. Sometimes just being put together to work on something uh, with people that have different viewpoints mm -hmm. sort of jolts us into action. Um. 
and that's that's something we don't get when we when we work with people that were like ah they're just like me. Mm-hmm. By the way, I love working with people that are just like me. It's so easy. <laughs> just get along with them so it's, well. Yeah, it's so easy. You guys agree. And we're just we're on the same team and <laughs> same page, and it's so great. But when we know mm-hmm. somebody thinks differently than us, like it sort of puts me. I don't know if on guard is, it, but it, but it, but it, 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 like I said, it sort of sparks me into action and, right. and, and makes simply interacting with individuals who are different sort of makes us prepare better. It makes us anticipate alternative viewpoints. And as I think about it in, in meetings that I'm in, I think, yeah, I am, I, I do more carefully prepare my arguments when I know I'm in meetings with people that, that likely don't see things the way that I uh, do. That, that makes sense. You're just intentionally already. Yeah, your, your mind sort of helps us sharpen our saw, yeah, exactly. like that, that reaching consensus is going to take effort. The, the hmm. a former dean, I think it's the former dean of, of Columbia Business School, her name was Catherine Phillips, said simply adding social diversity to a group makes people believe that differences of perspective might exist among them. And that belief makes people change their behavior. Okay, so that and then there's a study done by McKinsey, McKinsey Consulting. I, my oldest brother used to work for McKinsey, and they they said they concluded that the more diverse thinkers in a company's higher ranks, the more likely it is to come up with strategies that turn higher profits and avoid hmm. making stupid mistakes. Hmm. Just statistic after statistic. There's another one that says cities with more immigrants from different parts of the world tend to produce more patents. <laughs> That's an interesting correlation. Right? That's right. And, and while while racial diversity or mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. gender diversity, while that, you know, isn't necessarily the main point, cognitive diversity is the main point, race and gender and other things like that tend to give people different experiences, and that tends to lead to cognitive right, diversity, right, right. if that makes sense. But again, the goal for me is is really cognitive diversity. And, and again, there's empirical data showing the value of that diversity. But I have to say this, mm-hmm. at the same time, this diversity tends to lead to more conflict. So that's really a you're damned if you do, damned if you don't type of situation. Yeah, it, it's, it's the choice that you face, right? Mm-hmm. By embracing diversity, you're risking conflict. By avoiding diversity, mm-hmm. you risk loss of competitiveness. <laughs> okay. Right? So right. I've got, right. what do I want to risk? Mm-hmm. And I'd argue that the conflict you create, as long as it's healthy conflict, right? What's healthy mm-hmm. conflict? Healthy conflict is the passionate pursuit of truth, void of ego, right? So as long as it's healthy conflict, it's really a benefit of that cognitive diversity. Mm-hmm. You you need sort of just enough of it, like too much. Con- it's like a rubber band, right. right? Too much conflict, stretch it too much, <laughs> right? It breaks. Right. You've lost the value of the rubber band. But without any tension, mm-hmm. that rubber band has no value either. Right. Correct. Right. So you, you need to create kind of the right amount of, of tension, the, the, the zone where, where it exists without snapping. Right. That makes sense. So avoiding conflict while I love that, cause I don't enjoy conflict, <laughs> despite what some people think about me, while I'd love to avoid conflict, that can't be the goal. Okay. People need to talk and be vulnerable and, and. You know, it's it, it it points this out, and and it sort of equates it to marriage. It says, you know, the the biggest leading indicator that a marriage is about to end is not when couples argue; it's when they stop talking. Yeah, and we've talked about that that the 
before in different cultural conversations. And yeah. That's, that's always such an interesting point when, when you think it through because it's, it's true. We right? worry yeah. that we're fighting. And the yeah. reality is if we're fighting, that's we're, probably we're a good sign. Yeah. At least we're communicating. And, and so, again, by embracing this sort of cognitive diversity, you're embracing a strong potential for conflict. And if you can remove your ego from the equation, that's good. Yeah, that, that, that really makes me think a lot about the difference between um, true harmony and, and well, I'll just say false harmony. Yeah. Um, sometimes we just really avoid speaking up because we don't have the energy to disagree. You've been on teams with false <laughs> harmony, right? Where I, we, on I have. the surface, we get along really yeah. well. Turns out there's underlying things. Yeah, and and um, and, and, you know, and we have too many other things to do. Um, I even remember, I think, that you've said that for an employee to be ignored is almost yeah. more painful than being chastised. And that's sort of what false harmony is, right? I'm just, mm-hmm. just going to let that go. I'm not going to... I disagree with it, but I'm not going to speak up, right? Just utterly ignore the situation. Is, you know, it, yeah. It, it, this... Yeah, yeah, that is something. And we, we've talked about that in, uh, you know, as we've talked about Moneyball questions mm-hmm. from Gallup. Gallup shows that when a manager ignores his or her people, the chances of those people being actively disengaged are a whopping 40%. So, so having a manager that ignores you is worse than having a manager who focuses on your weaknesses. And I remember talking about that, be actively yeah. disengaged. Like that is... That is you walk, you walk not by your boss in yeah. the hallway and you're, they don't acknowledge you and you're like, what the heck? Right. Like, you know, <laughs> right. What, what's wrong with you? So again, a, a part of that acknowledgement will probably include conflict, but that's better than, than ignoring. So, so discussions need to be these, the, this conflict needs to become easy and natural. Some mm-hmm. people have, have had the motto, let's get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Right. Right. And, I like that. And, that's uh, and that's that's vulnerability. That's 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 trusting each other. And if this isn't happening, you're not going to be able to break ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't retell this story again, but but it's the Bay of Pigs story where where you know the the government made a bad decision because everybody thought they agreed. They didn't, mm-hmm. but people didn't speak, didn't speak up. up. Yeah. And so they everyone just assumed. Okay. Well. Sounds like nobody disagrees. Let's do it. Move forward. And so, well, what are some ways that we can turn the challenges of diversity really into the benefits of diversity? Yeah. So, so how do you take sort of that stress right. of of conflict right. and and make it a good thing? And you know, one thing I I'd say and it goes back to this this whole concept that that Volkswagen established, and it's the fun theory mm-hmm. that people are more likely to do work if that work is fun to do. If people are having fun at work. Uh, it, it sort of helps with that tension that's, that's being developed Yeah. that, that, you know, it, I would say, in fact, a lot of these studies, and it says this in the book that having fun at work helps change our brains to be less fearful. Hmm. So if we're having oh, fun, those conflicts, yeah, yeah it, it, yeah. And I don't, you know, I'm no brain surgeon. It's what do, you, what do they say? It's not <laughs> rocket surgery. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but, but you know, ha- it, it it sort of produces an elasticity in our brains and we're less fearful. Play makes us less intimidated by this cognitive mm. friction. Um, I think it, I've actually seen that in, in play as I sit here and just think about different situations where yeah. uh, you, you know, and, uh, maybe an uncomfortable conversation is getting ready to be had and and there's just some uh, some fun that's, that's surrounding that act, yeah. that conversation and it really makes it easier. Had, right, where, correct. The, where there's laughter it really and other things, but yeah. we're still pushing it. And I agreed. It, it is, uh, you know, there's an old proverb that says you can learn more uh, about someone in an hour of play than in a year of talk. 
<laughs> that's really that's right. A, I like that. Scene. And, that's and really so neat. it's sort of yeah. we let our guards down with the play. We become the real us. We become more vulnerable, and it just seems so much more much more effective no i i really do love that and and love personally the idea of having fun at work and and something that that i do definitely try to get in there myself Yeah, how you interview people how you yeah. run your meetings how you we need to incorporate a state of play and, uh, ab- absolutely and so i guess aside from play um i know another thing that we really push for to help uh, with healthy conflict is really for everyone to share ideas to make sure that that we are yeah. encouraging everybody to to speak up and that <laughs> you know and and say that the classic there are no bad ideas. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've heard a couple but from that's Clayton, not but, true, but, right? But I then, don't ever say that. <laughs> but then I hear bad ideas. <clears throat> somebody <clears throat> um, across from me here, and I'm not sure really what to do with There's them. <laughs> some, I think it, I don't. I want to make sure live yeah. skit or something like that. Where <laughs> it might have been Studio C actually uh-huh. a BYU uh, thing, but. Where, where a teacher challenges says there are no stupid questions, and then these kids start asking questions that are just <laughs> prove, the dumbest prove questions. That there are some. And, and and she's the teachers trying so hard to maintain <laughs> the philosophy, and boy, they are challenging it. But you know what's interesting? Yeah, I mean, I was just gonna say. So, I mean, what do you do? Because I mean, yeah, when you do hear them, you are gonna hear them, but you don't want to discourage people from <laughs> well, the first speaking thing up, I, right? I don't ever say there are no dumb ideas because <laughs> I, I just don't believe it. But 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 I want to hear your thing. dumb ideas. Yeah. This is what you want to say. But here's the thing, and and I learned this. This is kind of interesting. There's a rule in improv comedy. Okay. The rule in improv comedy is you must acknowledge what the other person is doing. So improv okay. comedy is, okay. is people are doing you right. know acting out things. And, right. Uh, you know, there's a, a Office episode where Michael Scott pulls a gun. It's the thing that he does in mm-hmm. every improv action. And the other people doing the improv comedy, they have to acknowledge that guy. Okay. You can't just ignore it or improv breaks down. That makes sense. I think that's true with ideas being shared. Mm. What we tend to want mm. to do is we hear that dumb idea and we're mm-hmm. like, okay, thank you. <laughs> Does anybody else, right? And we're, okay, we're, right. we want to we right. skip over it. Right. And my statement huh. is you've got to acknowledge it. Don't patronize them. With, right. Okay. I <laughs> Great say, idea. <laughs> I, I come out and say, I totally disagree. Yeah. And I debate them. Yeah. And I say, you're going to have to convince me because I am. And, and, you know, and the other thing I'm saying is, and, and this book points out, and this is the really interesting point. While I do believe that there are bad ideas, mm-hmm. there is a huge value in having bad ideas introduced to a group. Okay. So, so here's one quote. Uh, it says having a naysayer in the group made the rest of the group think harder. So having one person in the group throwing out different things, the 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 best ideas had to rise up to mm-hmm. defeat that idea. If that makes sense, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. This stretches the rubber band, right? So so th- this is a really interesting study they did. They they would introduce people outsiders, and it said the book points out that having an outsider join the group led to team members feeling less comfortable more agitated okay. <laughs> and less confident in their own answers. Okay. Wow. Meaning sort of more open-minded right, and, right, and will, but, right. but uh, going back to the quote, and it also led them to double down their chances of getting the right answer. Hmm. So, so excuse me, not double down, double their chances of, of getting the right answer. So introducing bad ideas, contrary ideas, doubled their chance of leading them to the right thing. That's really, Does that's that make really, sense? yeah, no, that's really fascinating just because it helped stoke the conversation debate. Bad ideas are useful. That's the thing that, <laughs> right, that's the right. thing we have to uh, kind of understand. 
Uh, another quote from the book, sometimes bad ideas can be useful because a bad idea can be very good at pointing us in a new direction because it, it forces new solutions to rise up, right? right? It, right. it gives, it, it makes us provide backbone to the, to the better decisions. Uh, another study in Belgium, it was in Belgium, so you know it has to be true, right? <laughs> where, where, where they intentionally inserted bad ideas into brainstorming session, huh. right? So this is a little, they're like, hey, tell someone to say this. And it was a really bad idea. Right. And this is what they discovered. When the brainstorm groups in the Belgium study were given bad ideas, they came up with better ideas than they would have otherwise together or alone. Hmm. So think of yourself in a meeting. You're, you're sitting there wondering if I should share an idea and you're like, oh, it might be dumb. It might be bad. And so you, you suppress it because you think it might fall outside of right. what everyone else right. is thinking. I don't want to speak up. I don't want to say anything stupid. But the brainstorm exercises where they injected those bad ideas, in a nutshell, those increased the odds that, that you know, good ideas would, would come from them, right? So the perspective that they're... You know, there really aren't any bad ideas, uh, you know, even though there are, I think there are, those bad ideas actually do add value. <laughs> right. That make sense? Right. No, yeah, no, totally. So le leverage the bad idea for a useful purpose. And that's why for me, it's not about tolerating dissent, which is probably mm -hmm. my true attitude. Mm -hmm. I tolerate different opinions. Right. I need to get to the point where I'm, I'm grateful for them. Yeah, and just really I welcoming welcome it. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. It, it really reminds me a lot of our core value of intelligent risk-taking. Yeah. Um, um, you know, it's similar, I think, to what uh, Albert Einstein said when he really asked what the difference was between him and the average person. Yeah. Uh, he said the average person would stop searching for a needle in a haystack once he or she found one. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, you know... He doesn't give up. I mean, he he said Albert, on the other hand, would would keep looking through the entire haystack for all possible needles, right? Mm -hmm. we, oh, mm -hmm. I found the needle. I'm right. done. I stop. It's sort of like you know how I train and I, and I ask questions that tend to elicit responses instead of answers. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so I lo because... love that technique. Honestly, one of your greatest teaching techniques is because that. because I believe that answers stop thinking. Right. But responses right. continue conversation. Right. right? And right. and. Uh, so that's really what we're trying to do with diverse opinions is create, create responses, create ongoing thinking so that we're constantly trying to break new ground. Mm -hmm. um, it, so it, it, it sounds sort of like um, dream teams use cognitive friction to their advantage. Um, yeah. A, a quote from the book says, dream teams depressurize tensions, leverage provocation, and open themselves to wildcard ideas to find solutions that others can't. And that's that, like you say, that intelligent risk taking, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's, mm -hmm. it's, hey, this is always how we've done it, but why, right? Um, diverse groups come together. Uh, so, so again, it's, it's how do, how do I make these diverse groups more valuable? Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things we've talked about fun, and we've talked about you know acknowledging bad ideas and 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 safe space for bad ideas to be shared. Another key in having diversity in groups really succeed is, is introducing a big goal that everyone is obsessed with hitting. So even though we have different ways of getting there, finding that one, the, I think the book calls it a superordinate goal. We sometimes call them BHAGs, <laughs> right, right? right? That that one big goal that everyone is excited about hitting and everybody wants to rally around Uh it it, it takes it's a goal that takes precedence over all others. 
And this becomes our obsession. So having that goal that everyone believes in makes the strain of the differences sort mm-hmm. of melt away. Mm-hmm. And and so what do I do if I if I I want to create a diverse group? Mm-hmm. And then I want to create that superordinate goal, that mission, and sort of have I don't know, the the term I use is cult-like values, right? (laughs) Drinking the Kool-Aid or or whatever you want to do. Sometimes I've, you know, when we've hired people, I've said, welcome to our cult. I don't don't know if that's the right (laughs) thing to say. But we need to have sort of that cult-like values that everybody's just (laughs) bought into, even though they they feel like they have different ways of getting to it. That that makes sense. So you say that healthy conflict uh, is the passionate pursuit of truth void of ego yeah. uh being void of ego is just really to me another way of saying uh, humble can can you yeah. can you sum up sort of why you say humility is such an important characteristic in leadership i can and the reason why i can is because i have so much <laughs> of it and and as the resident expert on humility the, the master I, that you know whenever that subject comes up like I, I, that's been every, every time sure. well, every t- it happens every time too we use it the same way it's like the old Connor's uh, over here just shaking his head. <laughs> it's like I've I, every time I record a podcast with you guys and you talk about humility, Clay makes the same joke. Yeah, I, I'm the I most know. humble guy Look, in the I, entire planet. I like what Christopher <laughs> said a while ago, and I can't remember which podcast it was, but uh-huh. he said, "Look, I, none of us are really humble. We're all trying to be humble, yeah, but but nobody fair. is really humble." And I think this that's was fair. a friend of my mom that had said this mm-hmm. that that you know that you're truly humble when you're never offended, right? Mm. I don't think, hmm. and look, this can't be the only trait in mm-hmm. leadership, right. but I don't think there is a more important trait. Um, oh. I, I even think that having difficult conversations with someone else, like when we're saying difficult things, mm-hmm. I think that's an aspect of humility. Not confronting people on difficult issues is something that hmm. uh, that I don't do. So, so if, if I'm... It, if I care about myself and how I feel, which is the opposite for me of humility, yeah, yeah. I don't confront people on difficult issues. <laughs> and that's why I think being willing to confront them is is sort of a demonstration of humility. When I care about the yeah. team instead of my own ego, I'm more likely to have those difficult conversations. Yeah, that's, fair. that's fair. Yeah, that that's makes fair. sense. Yeah, no, how does, I, how I connect You're, those. Yeah, so, so the book points out something really interesting from from their study. It said, I, I really like this, it said every one of the world's greatest sports dynasties had something surprising in common. Their players, and in particular their team captains, mm-hmm. had a whole lot of humility. Hmm. They needed to have ca- dynasties. Hmm. Yeah, the, the, right. You know, no, not, not one-year wonder, wonders right, or right. anything like that. These dynasties, they had a captain that had a lot of humility. And it even says a team is more likely to become elite if it has a captain that leads from the shadows. Mm. Mm. And so, you know, like I've said before, I, I think humility allows these teams to have hard conversations without sort of blowing up. Right. We can hear those hard things. You do it because you want what is best for the team. And you get back to that superordinate goal rather than just your personal benefit or well-being. Now, this is, Clay, this is really, this has really been a great podcast. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm excited that this is going to be one of the subjects as well that we're focusing on for the annual meeting. It's going to be yeah, I think cool. it's good, and I'll I'll share this too. And I, I hope she doesn't get upset with me. And <laughs> if she does, maybe I'll get uh, this may not make it to the final. This might not make it to the final. But but we we have a, a lady in our in our learning and development team, Kim Yetowitz, and when she was hired, she came into me one day and we were talking, and she said, you know, I just I know I'm very different from the team, and mm-hmm. I. I feel like I don't see eye to eye and I'm just wondering if I should be on this team because yeah. of, you know, 
different reasons. And, and I just remember saying, Kim, that's exactly why, why we need you, you on that's this team. Awesome. This is exactly why you need to be here. And the, and the value that she's been able to provide uh, to the organization and to the team is, has just been uh, really in my mind. I know this is an overused word, but it's been immeasurable. And, and so just really understanding that, that importance of cognitive diversity for dream teams, uh, it's, it's been an eye-opener for me. No, that's a great example. Thank you, Clay. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Connor. And thank you. Listeners. Listeners. <laughs>